I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, Welcome along to this week's episode of The Rocky Road. I'm your host, Simon McGuire. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by an up-and-coming Irish MMA fighter. He recently signed a multi-fight deal with Cage Warriors, a promotion which helped launch the careers of Irish stalwarts, which is Paul Redmond, Joe Duffy, Neil Seary, Ash Daly, Chris Fields, and Conor McGregor, to name but a few. He went 6-0 and as an amateur and is currently 2-1 and as a pro. Takamandu, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Simon. Thank you very much. Well, first off, congratulations on the Cage Warriors deal, and we'll get to that later. But uh, tell me, how did you get involved in MMA? Um, I got involved with MMA about, probably would have been about, I got, I got introduced to MMA probably about 10 years ago, I think, maybe. Um, my sister's boyfriend at the time used to do MMA and, uh, and I just kind of started doing this from one to one private sessions with me because they knew I was, they all kind of liked it and I had an interest in it. And then, and then once I was trying, once I started doing a little bit of training with him, I was just kind of fell in love with it. But I didn't actually get involved with it till, I think, when I started training probably in 2018, I think. So, um, Oh, actually, funny enough, the the gym's anniversary is, was only is this week, so like they had like a week of people coming in and out and stuff like that, and kind of just trash on the gym. So I was actually there the first day it opened up, or the first week it opened up, and then went missing for two weeks for, for two years because I was just out drinking with my mates and uh, living my best life. And then I seen Chris actually one one time in the Altura House of Pub that's local to and approached him, and then I was. I was probably with the drunkest man on the planet Earth at the time, and um, and then stumbled up to him. Was Chris? I'm gonna do it. I promise you, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna do it. And then uh, a month after that, I went part time in work, and then just haven't looked back since. So yeah, that's kind of how I got involved. And that's that's funny. Like every good story that I have usually starts or involves me being drunk somewhere, and then getting in there, and then getting to go past then after that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. I mean, what what. You know, because we like we all, you know, when we're younger, we all uh, kind of struggle with drink or struggle to get used to it, um, or the effects mm-hmm. of it, or the kind of the, the rabbit hole it might it might bring you down. What what was it at that moment? Do you think was it was it you were you looking for a way to stop, or was it just you saw some was it just one of those chance kind of stars aligned moments, and you saw you know this is an opportunity to do something? Or yeah, I think it was kind of the stars aligned kind of thing. If you know what I mean, like um, it's just kind of like it was just it was kind of the perfect storm, really. Like just kind of. Being crispier and then kind of just like in that state, and I was kind of like, I need to sort myself out. And then that was one of the times where I, was kind, of, I kind of just pulled up my socks and kind of just took the initiative and, and went down and kind of just took it seriously from there. And then uh, and then I kind of hadn't really looked back from there because kind of trying to find the balance between socializing and, and like and kind of work life relationship between anyone, between that anyone does is tough. So that was kind of the hardest thing to adjust to as, as I was kind of going to enter my career. And do you find that um, when you made the decision do you, to, to to stop drinking and start training, do you, do you find you lost contact with friends or have you a new group of friends now? Or how, how outside the outside the cage or outside training did it change your life? 
Um, I still have the same core friends, but like you know, when you like you know, you know when you're drinking, like you see you see people that like you see like acquaintances that you know, when people that like you see when you were drinking, you kind of lose touch with the people that are the people that kind of in that circle. So it wasn't really like I was, I lost my core group of friends. My core group of friends, I still do with them two or three times a week, two, two, two or three times a week. But the people that I'd see every time I was drinking, then I'd lose. There were people that I lost touch with, but like. I was happy enough to search them because it wasn't it wasn't really going to progress me in any way, shape, or form. Feeling feeling terrible on a Sunday morning. Yeah, no, I know, I know exactly the feeling. <laughs> I'll search you. Um, yeah. So the amateur scene, moving back and then to your training and getting fighting again. The amateur scene is the the heartbeat of Irish MMA. What's it like fighting on those smaller shows? And what what are you thinking when you're going in? Are you going right? This is a start, or is it like are you looking around going this is really small, or you know you see it as a stepping stone, or what, what's it like? Um, as I was, as I was doing it, it was it was more it was a big deal. It was a big deal because it, it was so new. Like um, like obviously my aim was obviously it was always from pro, but um, the amateur like at the time was was the biggest thing that, that I've ever done. You know, it was kind of the biggest achievement that I've excuse me, it's the biggest achievement that I've had to date. Um, at the time, so like I was looking at it as like these are the biggest shows. That, this is the biggest show I've, I've ever seen until I went to the trade wars. Um, Pedro's where James Webb won the world title, and I'm just seeing the scale of the show and the production, the production value, and I was like, this is where I want to get to. So that's when I finally seen it as a, as a sort of stepping stone to get me there. And like each fight was just a test. It was kind of like every fight, every even even fights as a professional, just test. But um, as an amateur, it was kind of like I was always opening prodding the Chris to, to turn me pro. So it was just kind of like he's just like. He, oh, you he just expected more and more and more out of me. So I was kind of just, I was giving him everything that he asked for. And then eventually kind of went down to the professional scene then. But um, at the time, the, 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 that was amateur shows were the biggest shows. The biggest shows, the biggest shows in my life at the time, yeah, as it's coming up. Yeah. And I suppose, do you feel it prepared you for the, for the program properly? Because um, like it's kind of an underground scene here, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you know it, it certainly doesn't burst into the mainstream sport. And then you just hear of guys like yourself or whoever. You know, oh, he's one and one. He's one and one as a pro, or he's two and one as a pro. Um, and then they don't realize the amateur background at all, because like in, in amateur boxing, obviously we see a lot of the people coming through the uh, Irish boxing ranks, and you know, oh, they fought in the Europeans and they fought in the worlds, and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them go pro. Then, do you feel that the uh, amateur show or the amateur cards here are they prepare you for the pro, pro game as best you can, or is there something better that we can do, or what do you think? No, I know. I think I think the way that it's run, I think the way that the sh- shows are run is is it's the perfect setup. Um, I wasn't too much of a fan of those eye masks kind of setup because like it's not really realistic in terms of like transitioning to professional MMA. Like you're not going to be fighting three, four times in a, in a week. Like you're not going to be you're not going to be walking around and wait for like four days trying to and then and then have to fight someone again and then sometimes you get injured and then you have to and then you're not actually fighting at performing at your best. So I think the way like a one day Promotional shows with that run like Cage Conflicts, Brown Wars, those those best material for professional ranks and um and it kinda gives you a feel of how it actually feels and now like kinda just just the whole setup of things, just like you know, they've seen like you know, is it for people that live up north for them shows, like uh they do the weigh-ins and do the face off and stuff like that. Things like that are just little things that will kind of make you make you more custom and make you more like just make you more normal and comfortable in those weird situations when you're kind of walking through looking somebody in the eye and they're only fighting tomorrow. So you like you 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 you, know, you want to experience that before you do it in the power ranks, or you're not kind of like you're not kind of starstruck and kind of um 
just kind of taken back from an off where uh, yeah, I think I think the way that things are getting run in the minute is perfect for uh for Irish MMA and you can kind of see that with a lot of fighters coming through like myself, the Shelleys, everyone on Team KF, and as well as like Laz and uh, uh on FAI in FAI, sorry. So um yeah, like you like you see the way that they run the gyms and the way that they're producing fighters, it's it's working because uh, there's just heaps of problem coming out rather than minute right now. Yeah, well, the true. I mean, there's been a, an explosion of Irish MMA, I suppose, in the last, I'd say, twenty years. Some people might say the last twenty-five. Um, I suppose growing up, who were your uh, MMA, MMA or boxing idols? What fighters did you did you look to and go, oh, I like to be like that? Mm-hmm. Or uh, in boxing, like my first, like first combat sports person that I was with was Al Muhammad Ali. Uh, he was he was kind of like the he was kind of like the far, the forefather of the idols for me. And then as we kind of went on, I was kind of like John Jones and Anderson Silva when I first got into MMA. They were, they were big names at the time. Poor John kind of messed up his career, um, like as he did now. But he's still one of the best fighters out there, I think. But um, yeah, Muhammad Ali and Silva, um, John Jones, and obviously early Conor McGregor when he first popped on the scene, you know, like he's like, he made me look at it as I can be there. Yeah, like, cause I didn't really know much about Irish MMA when I first started watching MMA, so I didn't really have an idea who he was until I was actually watching the UFC fight card. I think I was watching the, uh, the Sweden card, and I was just like, oh, he's Irish. I was like, no oh, way. And I was a bit annoyed because I was like, oh, I was like, no one did be in there first. And I'm like, I'm like basically every every uh, every record that I kind of wanted myself as like first African world champion, like, it was my understanding of that. And then, like, just like, like people keep taking away things that make up, and, and in my head, I was like, I'll be first double champion, and then Conor, Conor was first double champion. But uh, yeah, it's just, and then, yeah. So, Hamdali, Ali, John Jones, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor, early Conor McGregor, right now is a bit, he's a bit skeptical. Like, I don't know, um, I wouldn't really too much of a fan of him nowadays, but um, definitely, 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 yeah, I can relate to the not being a fan of him, um, too much these days. I mean, I went to uh, Back in my when I was a fan before he was working, I suppose, in the media, mm-hmm. I, was, I went to Boston to see him fight Dennis Siver. And yeah, uh, had a great, that was a great trip. Had a great trip over there, you know, but I wouldn't I wouldn't fly anywhere to see him fight now, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, like it's just it's not like you remember like back in the day like, when when is it when there's a camera radio card on, you know, the whole country would basically stop basically stop working and now now it kind of feels like it's lost and um lost that kind of like that, that favor or something. Yeah, it is what it is anyway. Yeah, I agree. I remember when I started watching him first, it was like um, when Manny Pacquiao used to fight, you know, uh, Pacquiao was yeah, fighting yeah. this weekend and you take the whatever the next day off work and you stay up all night. But I, I wouldn't be staying up all night unless I was getting paid to watch him now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. We're just going back to something there. You said Anderson Silva and John Jones. It was a, when they were, I suppose, in their prime, there was a, there was a, there was a talk that they might fight each other, either at a catch weight or Anderson going up. Who, so say they'd fought at a relative catch weight and they could mo- mo- make weight. Who do you think would have won that fight? I'm talking. I'm talking Anderson now. Pre Weidman. Pre Weidman, I suppose. Pre Weidman. See, pre Weidman is just a different animal, wasn't he? But yeah. like, I don't know. I, th- I think John. I, I, I really, I really do think John. I think, for as good as Anderson was in his prime, I think John Jones. He's just, he's just a different. This is a different kettle of fish, isn't he? Like he's, he's a beast. Like he could, he took out every legend in the light, in the light heavyweight division, and I think he probably would have done the same damn thing still, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I think the size as well would have been. Well, size. Would have been yeah, and like he's just he's just game planning for you. Like he just he just doesn't get into he doesn't get into city things. He knows exactly what he wants to do at exactly the right time. So um, I think he would have taken that. Yeah, yeah, I think it would have ended up a bit like uh, Mishida, uh, choke out kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, I suppose, why did you pick uh, Team KF to train out of? Um, I picked Team KF because like, it was uh, it was actually it was literally right when I opened up. I was living in Swansea. I'm, I'm I'm back there now, but it was literally like five minute walk down down the road for me, and um, and that's just one of like I'll be stupid not out here. So when I when I actually started training, I actually ended up new. I, I watched it was in Evelyn stores, so I had to drive up and down, and I stopped driving. So when I once I stopped driving, I went part time. So I had to get like two buses. I was and no, I was four buses a day, one up in the afternoon, one back, and then one up in the evening, one back again. So and then like when I go when you get there and you see the quality of uh, coaching, you see the quality of training partners, it kind of it, it, it kind of captivates and holds you. Kind of you open your eyes up to seeing how good. Things we can be because I trained. I went, I went and trained in a couple other gyms as um as a kind of as a gym teenager, but and I never even spoke with them. And then and then when I got to Team KF, I really got to see um really got to see what world class coaches like, and then just kind of gravitated towards there and uh, made a good relationship there. So yeah, I was yeah. going to say that you, you seem to have a brilliant relationship with Chris in particular. What's he like as a coach? As a coach, he's just he he's, he he loves what he does. Like he's so committed to what he does and. Uh, all he does is think about thinking about fighting, and thinking about techniques and just and be, like you just you're constantly thinking about ways to make the team better, you know what I mean? And he has like a he has like a, a positive competitive edge to him. Like he wants he just he wants to win and he's kinda of like and that kinda of goes from top down. So that makes everybody want to win, makes everybody a lot hungrier. So he, like whatever he's doing it not whatever he's doing, I know exactly what he's doing. It's just the hard work he puts in is is working and uh, it's 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 giving him the right results that he's that he's always wanted anyway. And how important is boxing to your training? Um, boxing is quite important to my training, yeah. So I'm more of a stand-up striker, so like I, I like, I like to strike, but um, I wouldn't really be much of like yeah, my type fighter. So like I'm, I usually, I usually use my hands more than that. kind of like a kick every now and again. So like boxing is usually a big, it, boxing is a big part of my game. And um, one of the things that I was working with a Ukrainian boxing coach there. Um, about two weeks ago, so he's so he kind of comes into the gym, does workshops for the second round again. But I got some, I got some one phone work from him, and that so it's unreal. So, like, I think over the next while, that's really going to bring my game up. And, um, and like, it's kind of like the hands are one of the hands, the, the boxing is what opens up a lot of things in MMA, and like, it opens up like takedowns, it opens up kicks. So, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a big crowd to in here. Yeah, well, and every fight starts in its feet as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You um you kicked off your pro career in South Africa with a win at EFC eighty nine followed by a loss at EFC ninety. What did you learn from those experiences? Um, I just learned like finding it's actually like one halfway across the world by someone, and like sometimes second one things were a bit like things were a bit kind of all over the place behind the scenes. Still went in there, made way, or didn't go my way, but like I was able to kind of like make adjustments and kind of like and kind of just go. Go through the the adversity that I faced before leading up to the fight, and then and then going in, they're still going in there performing, even though I didn't go my way. It's kind of a good, it's kind of like a, a learning lesson that will that take me through the whole, like the whole of my career. Like I know, you know what mistakes I made leading up to it and in the fight, so that will never happen again. And uh, and like I'm kind of happy, especially the first one, the first time around, it went perfectly. Like it was a great experience. It was there with Chris and Carl, and uh, we're just going sightseeing, kind of just just. It was actually, I was traveling the world doing what I love. It was one of them, it was kind of uh, the eye opening thing that kind of made me realize that, like, I, this is, this is my job, you know, this is, this, this is something different to, to what everyone else can do. You know, it's not working on sorry, it's not working in the shop. And um, I got me traveling the world, fighting people and making money and doing what I love. So that was a real eye opener for me. And it's kind of grounded me to, um, to the life I'm living in. 
Yeah, and I know. Just to go back to the, the loss. I suppose I saw on I suppose on social media the following the loss and the next day he didn't seem too downbeat, and I was kind of happy because a young fighter, you know, could take a loss. And, oh, the you know my the world my career is over, the world is ending. But you seem to at the time even then you seem to have taken a very kind of positive outlook and onto the next one kind of. Yeah, of course. Like, it's just like, because I hate when people are like, they're all confident before the fight and they're like putting in on one of their levels and one of this, one of that. And then they lose. And then they're, they're like, you don't see, you don't hear or see from them for like for like a month or, or I'm posting. And I'm just like, if, like, you have to get up and get over, really. Like, you know what I mean, it's not the end of the world. Like, obviously, I was upset at the time. And, and, like, it's, and then obviously, at the time, it's like all the emotions going through. And from actual fight day, like, I was, I was, I was, I was in bits, but like, as 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 that wore off, I was kind of just like I knew I knew, I knew exactly why it happened. Like no, it's just a mistake that I made, and it was like I had nothing to be upset about. Except I, I, like, the way I see it is that I beat myself. Like obviously on the night that guy beat me, but like the the things that I was doing just weren't correlating. They weren't correlating to what a professional professional should be doing. So kudos to him for winning, but um, like I beat myself, and and I'm never gonna let that happen again. So. That's why I was so alright about it, because I kind of just I understood I understood the assignment, I understood um where I had to go from there. So that's that's what I was kinda of happy about. And then leading into the next fight then I kinda of, the performance that I, that I put out was the one that I know I can put out in every fight. So I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, kind of really building on that and moving forward to that. Uh, yeah. forward with that. It's kinda of like I don't know if you saw the, the Jason Quigley documentary about his fight with um Demetrius Andrade. Andy Lee it was a world title fight there back in December and Andy Lee was tra- is training mm-hmm. him. And, you know, J- Jason was building it up and building it up. And rightly so. And he goes, look, sure, at the end of the day, if you lose. Worst thing to happen here is when you lose a fight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just get on with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's one of them things, like, especially when you're undefeated, like, you think that, oh, everyone's going to take you, or I'm going to let everyone down, get shot in your dress. It's like, it's like, no one cares. Like, at the end of the day, nobody really cares. Like, like if you think, you think of the, everybody thinks they're the most important person in the world until, until they're kind of, like some people don't realize it because some people are so self absorbed. But when you, once you realize that you're not the most important person in the world, things don't revolve around you. The world after you lose is still going to be doing it. Like it's still going to be rotating. People are still going to be on work. You're still going to eat and drink and do whatever. So, like, it's one of them things where you kind of just need to kind of, you need to just separate your ego from, from the realistic aspect of it and just put it, and, like, and that, that, would, that, would allow, that would allow you to, like, just kind of get through anything you want without it being too much of a big deal. My next question was going to be: You bounce back uh, with a stoppage at Cage Conflict Six. Did you feel extra mm-hmm. pressure to get back in the win column? But I don't get the feeling that you did. <laughs> um, not, no, not, not particularly. Now, to be honest, like I kind of like the work I put in leading to leading up to that fight is exactly what I knew I was capable of. Now. So, like leading up to that fight, dude, like I felt like I felt like I just needed I needed to win, but I needed to win it in, in a very fashion. Like I needed. To, Stories felt like just I knew I knew I was capable of doing that. I'm, I'm capable of doing that to every single person I fight, and it's just down to me just to kind of for the start online. And um, and Chris actually got me uh, a sports psychologist after the after my loss, so I was working with him leading up to the fight and kind of just fine tuning and kind of a little like a, one or two things mentally. And um, and I think that kind of really helped me propel my game up to the next level in, in terms of like mental mental adjustment leading up and preparation as well as like on fight day just kind of getting through all that and just being present and whatnot so um yeah like i think there wasn't really much pressure it's just more it's just more of me going out and just showing what i'm, I'm really capable of well, that's interesting that chris got you um, a sports psychologist mm-hmm. can, you tell, can you tell not i don't want to delve too much into it is that in particular no. like you, 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 you took from 
did the meetings or was it just just a focus or no it was just kind of the focus because like because like i do the big thing i do the small thing very 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 terribly like you know like like eating the sleep and time sometimes so like like um like i was kind of floating around i was i was, I was operating at basically 70 percent. so when i start working for psychologists it's kind of just fine tuning the little the little smaller details on my day kind of breaking things down and with the way i kind of fix situations rather than kind of blowing them out of proportion kind of dating them at the home so um like it was more of just like just kind of doing all the smaller things and kind of like doing the things on a day-to-day basis right because like like i do like going in going into the fight going, going into the fight is easy for me like you know it's one of the things that i just do naturally so like that's one that's that's a big thing that's easy to that that's that's, that's a big thing that's hard for, for people to adjust to so i need to just do the smaller things right and then uh obviously that's going to translate directly into uh into the bigger things like on 14 and whatnot no, good, good to hear. And now to, mm. the, to the Cage Warriors deal. It's a multi-fight deal. And can you tell me more about the deal and, and when you expect to fight next? Yeah, so it's a it's a fight-fight deal with them, and um, I'm expecting to make my debut on. I uh, will be make my debut on June 25th actually. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty much going to be on that show so far. So I'm just waiting on an opponent. But um, yeah, I'm just, I was delighted to get on the Cage Warriors now because uh, I held an amateur belt. Held our amateur belt and the academy belt for Ireland, and then I was kind of I was expecting to go there first. I was expecting to go there straight away, but I ended up getting signed with EFC, so I took the opportunity and just kind of took that as an opportunity to go to another promotion and travel the world. And um, yeah, so Cadro is just one of them. It's one of them. It's one of them platforms that I've always I've always been eager to get onto. Like now, I've seen Chris, Paul, Connor, like like literally all the people that I looked up to as as I was coming up watching your watching UFC and watching MMA and Ireland fighting on that show so it is just it is only right that um that eventually I make my over to the show. And uh, what are your goals in MMA? My goals in MMA, my 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 goal first and foremost in the minute is uh, to get that Pedro belt. Uh really look I really want to get that to the uh the, the, the pro belt so I can have my uh, my my pro and amateur belts and I can have them so we start together. So uh the first first and foremost to get that Pedro belt and then the second would be get to get to get my contract with UFC. And then third, third long-term goal uh, is going to be obviously get the UFC belt and to be a world champion. Like that's 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 the biggest thing at the end of the day. I don't I don't want to just go to UFC and be like, oh, I want the UFC. I want to go into UFC and I want to compete in UFC and I want to show that Ireland produces some of the best fighters in the world, not just the one, not just the ones off, but um, there's there's fighters coming through and then there's like there's a, there's a healthy there's a healthy cycle of fighters coming through because he's seeing like um. Seeing like England, they're seeing like America, seeing Brazil, there's fighters constantly coming out of there. And like it's constantly just churning out a lot of different top level fighters. So it was kind of like a hiatus of, um, of in Irish MMA where there's what, there wasn't really much going on. Like there weren't many people getting into UFC. Everyone's going to Bellator and this and the other. But like nobody wants to wake up. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be. Like nobody wakes up and then like sees MMA because I want to fight in Bellator. Everybody says, I want to fight in the UFC. And that's that's where my goals and that's where my that's where my eyes are firmly set. So, um, like that's 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 just me. Like I'm just like UFC is UFC is a only UFC world champion. No, no I'd agree, I would agree with you. It's the pinnacle. No, I don't think anyone would argue with you on that. And then just finally, um, I saw you recently launched one to one training sessions. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how did that come about, and and uh, how much you looking forward to it? And do you want to give a personal plug there? Any any details people want to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give people a little advertisement now. Yeah, so I got into it kind of like it's one of them things where like I just I need I needed to do something with myself. So like it's like 
as like, I'm better off doing something, better off doing a job that kind of revolves around training around the gym and teaching people is the first way doing that. And um, it kind of makes me, it makes me look at the sport and maybe looks, it makes me look at things differently if I'm teaching them because I have to break them down and I have to actually understand them properly. So I think Einstein said that you don't know something until you can explain it to somebody else. And that's, that's perfect. That's, I think that's a great saying because you need to get, you need to understand what you're, what you're doing to have to teach someone. So, um, I'm really looking forward to getting, getting started in the next couple of weeks with people. And um, just like, if you want to come try, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to be the best, you have to come train with the best. So I am going to be the best. So you want to come train with me. And how do people get in touch with you? What's your, what's your social media handles? Yeah, my social media handles. You can get, you can get in touch with me on Instagram. It's Pacamandu. Twitter is just Pacamandu as well. Or if you're on TikTok, you can get onto me on TikTok as well. So it's literally Pacamandu across the board. Uh, I, I, I try to make it as easy as possible for people to, to get onto me. No, no excuse, listeners. Get in touch with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'll make it, make it the best for you can be. Perfect. Well, I think on that note, uh, we'll leave it there. Pacamandu, thank you very much for the time. Thank you very much for having me, mate. on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns